Jeffrey, do you realize that we have the number three photography podcast on Stitcher? Uh, that's, 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 that, <laughs> were there only three? <laughs> uh, this is on taking pictures. This is episode 85. Yeah. Can you believe that? I know. It's like the age 15 you retired more. <laughs> 15 more and we're at, uh, 15 more and we're in triple digits. Yeah. <laughs> the show joins you in triple digits. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, it's true. Uh, my name is Jeffrey Sidoris from fadedandblurred.com. And with me, uh, a, 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 a perky and snowy Mr. Fancy Bill Wadman. Yeah, we're kind of on fire today. I like this. And, and fuego yeah. for our Spanish-speaking uh, friends. Uh, firing on all cylinders to make the car <laughs> metaphor. <laughs> Wow, look at this. Um, So, hey, last night, I went and saw a friend of the show speak, uh, Randy Duchesne. Randy Duchesne, made in Brooklyn. Now, we talked about his show before. He's such Uh, a good guy. Yeah, he's a friend of mine uh, who uh, did this series over the last 20 years. Right. He's been taking pictures of uh, people in Brooklyn who own companies and things who who make stuff. So, uh, restaurant tours and shoemakers and artists and all this kind of stuff all around Brooklyn mm-hmm. for the last 20 years. And he's got a show. I think it's still at the Brooklyn public library. We've talked about that all before, but, um, I went and saw him speak at Soho photo last night and, uh, it was just, it was really, uh, it's amazing to see such a large scope of work, you know, cause over mm-hmm. 20 years, uh, so much stuff changes, right? The way you see the world changes, the way you light the world changes, you know, sure. he went from from shooting film with more complex setups to being able to do stuff with more available light and digital and, and all mm-hmm. these kinds of things. And just just the we, we talk about constantly we talk about, oh, I'm going to start a new project or or I just finished this set of images or or, you know, but Randy has done this for 20 years, right? And I'm sure thousands he's, and thousands of frames. Yeah. He's done all of this uh, underneath. Like I imagine a Gantt chart of, of Randy's career mm-hmm. and, and one big chunk of it is this line that goes and it says made in Brooklyn. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I just, I, th- I have my own thing where I, I have like a list of people I want to do portraits of that. I contact out of the blue when I've got nothing else going on to see if they're up for it. You know, I've shot, you know, eight or 10 of those in the last couple of years. Um, but I like this idea of like these sort of ongoing projects, right? And and how how they change over the course of of you doing that. I just thought it would be an interesting thing to talk about. Absolutely, let's 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 get into it. Um, have you you ever you ever done anything like that? Have you had anything that lasted that long? That lasted twenty years. Well, you know, in some ways, <laughs> no. even something like uh, Faded and Blurred is an ongoing project. Uh, it is an ongoing project. Yeah, yeah, you could you could argue that. I and I, I hope it continues for a long time. I'm I'm really enjoying it. It's it's changing direction. It refines itself, or I refine it, or we refine it, or you know, the, listeners and and readers refine it by what they comment on and what they like to see. Right. Um. So it's it's organic in that sense. Do, um. Do, yeah. Do you think that there is um? How do I put this? Uh. uh that, that, that there's value that the hmm, that long term projects have to start organically, like oh I started doing this thing and I've just kept doing it, or or can you actually decide to start one? Does that make sense? I don't know. I mean I I've seen 
just sort of random projects where you, you see like the, you know, people that take pictures of, of every meal for, you know, eight years. Right. Or, you know, they do a selfie a day for, you know, a decade or something yeah. uh, and then do it as a kind of a time lapse. I don't know if, if I don't know that I've got the sort of tenacity or, or stick to 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 do that for that long, to do a project for that long. I don't know if I've got that in me. I haven't yet. I mean, it's not to say it wouldn't ever happen, but have you, have you done something it, it almost other feels than like your a, 365? It almost feels like a religious thing at a certain point, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. like, especially like when you were saying that people who are shooting their food every day, it's like, I can't have this meal unless I take the picture of it. Like it's right. It, it, That's the validation of the meal. There's of this line of, of OCD, where OCD and just obsessive, like religious, religious, religiosity and, and OCD sort of intersect, you know, mm-hmm. like that's where projects like this seem to feel. Um, uh, have I done anything larger? Um, no, I, but I've done four year long or five year long projects in the last mm-hmm. seven mm-hmm. years. So in some ways you could say that like me doing year long projects is my ongoing project. Right. Um, it just well, gets, and, and it gets really meta. At what point does, does it become, I mean, do you look back on a, on an entire body of work and say, look, this, this, this theme was, was this decade long or two decade long project. D- does it become a project after the fact? Yeah. Y- y- your life is an ongoing project. Right. You know, uh, y- Yes. Uh, I guess you can. And it, when are you done? Is Randy done taking pictures of people who made things in Brooklyn? I hope not. Right. Uh, I mean, and, and that, that's the other thing is, is as a viewer or as, as, as a, um, a, a patron of, of projects, there are, there are few that you really want to see more of. You yeah, know, I mean, there's such an inundation of content into the stream that that finding one that that you that you click with or that clicks with you um, is is seemingly becoming more and more of a rarity. Yes, and it also begs the question: in today's very short attention span kind of world, does anybody care about something that's going on for that long? Mm-hmm. You know. Mm-hmm. People see something that you did and they say, oh, I've seen that before. You know, I could right. keep doing those motion pictures that I did a couple of years ago. And, I, you know, and lots of people have seen those. They've been a lot of places. But if somebody if I did another set and put them up somewhere, people would be like, oh, I saw those already. Right. Even though they didn't see those already. You know what I mean? Right. Um, yeah. No, I, it's uh, I watched a little film clip by, uh, you know, Philip Bloom. You know, uh, Philip. Yes. Uh, and he was talking about how how on Delta now you can, you can keep your electronics on during takeoff and landing. And he's like, so, you know, what that means is we're now going to be flooded with, you know, a lot of boring time lapses of takeoff and landing, you know, because everybody's going to sort of, sort of glom onto this thing and, and, and do this now. Yeah. And, and is that such a good thing? Well, and it, I think it speaks to everyone is looking for, for not everyone. That's an absolute, but more and more photographers, creatives are looking for that next way to express themselves either within their own medium or in some sort of crossover medium. 
So yes, I'm a photographer, but now I'm, I'm testing the waters of film. You know, I'm testing sure. the waters of, of motion. Yeah. I'm testing by making so, lines. Right. Right. Uh, right. I kind of, I, you know, it's funny that, that things have moved so far in the direction of shoot what's around you, shoot your life, shoot your world. You know, mm-hmm. shoot the shoot the ordinary as you know, I mean, we'll talk about a little bit later, the you know, or actually, uh, you know, the guy who's who who's painting himself at Walmart. It's like, they're, they're, it, will we get to the point where the ordinary, the everyday uh, loses loses its its sort of um, right now? It feels like it feels like the everyday, the the what you're doing right now is is fresh and interesting from an artistic point of view when. I tend to lean more towards creating things. I want the exception, not the average, you know, mm-hmm. in, in the stuff that I try to make. Right. So is, is, is there an argument to be made that we, w- that eventually it'll, it'll turn back into, no, it's not every time you take off a plane and, and we see a billion of those, which you do or self portraits in a mirror or whatever it is that people will be like, yeah, we've seen that 400,000 times. No one cares. And then people stop doing it. And then it gets down to people starting to take less pictures and they're not taking a picture of every meal. You know what I mean? So do you, do you think the, the, the explosion of, of picture, is it a fad? Is it a, is it a cycle? Are we on some sort of sine wave bell curve type thing? And now we're, we're just kind of at the peak of that and it will taper off. Uh, I don't think it will. Um, well, I think everything changes, right? So, you know, if it, if, if, if it's gone up, eventually it'll go down and something else will be the exciting thing, you know, mm-hmm. um, you know, more people are doing video stuff now and putting that up, you know, where five years ago, no one was putting videos up online. Right. You know? Right. So, so I think that there's, there's all that kind of, you know, the kids are, are doing what Snapchat and Instagram. Is that what all the kids are doing nowadays? Um, I don't know Snapchat. I know Instagram's huge. I still don't do that. <laughs> I probably should. I, I'm ambivalent to it. Um, I, I, you know, I, 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 this is sort of an old man comment, but I kind of wish people didn't post so much damn stuff. You know, it's like, we don't, do do you, do you not? Okay. I'm overloaded. Yeah. Well, it's, yeah, there's definitely Randy did this project for 20 years and he made a book and he made a calendar, whatever it is, but Randy wasn't. And now he has this show of it 20 years in the making, but Randy wasn't all day long saying it's the made in Brooklyn guy and putting up pictures every two days of a new made in Brooklyn. Right. Like, you know, right. he, he was just hoarding. He was just collecting it slowly. There's no, surely. there's no made in Brooklyn daily.com. Right. right. You know, if, yeah. if, if Saul was uploading, you know, if Saul lighter was uploading a picture a day, cause he was born 50 years later and uploading just one of these, Oh, look, it's New York and Kodachrome every single day. It would have lost some of its stuff versus, mm-hmm. Look, here's what he did for ten years, and here is the the results of it, condensed and and uh, distilled. Does it become more important then? After stuff is distilled, yes, I think it becomes concentrated. You know, it's like mm-hmm. orange juice, right? <laughs> you know, take out the water, and you get more concentrated orange juice. Right. Um, I think there's too much water in today's visual world. You know. Too much stuff that that needs to get out of the way. But to continue that metaphor, there's an ever-growing thirst for it. The more more that's put up, the more is consumed. Or the more uh, is consumed, the more is put up. Do we really want more? Or is it like no no one's... I don't think that the receiving end is asking for more pictures to be put up on Facebook and Twitter. I think that the people who are putting them up 
think that people want to see more and I think that, you know, people look more, but I think that's mm-hmm. just because there's more pictures. You know what I mean? I don't think it's a demand thing. I think that the supply is getting forced down people's throats. See what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't know. That, that, my, my two cents, you know, I don't, I don't think that people need to put more stuff up. I think people need to be more selective of the stuff they put up, put up stuff that actually means more. You know, if you went on vacation, you know, I went on vacation to, Italy. I took 400 pictures. I think I only put 35 pictures up. You know, I don't, it's like, I, I want, if it really up to me, I would have put 10 pictures up, but that just felt like too few to give an idea of where I went and what I did, you know, but no one needs to see all 400. I don't even need to see all 400. Right. You know, like you got to make decisions. You know, the whole, the, the modern world, the digital thing, the walking around with the phone in your pocket, like there's so many opportunities to take out a camera and take a picture. It's like, you got to know when not to take a picture or know when to take the picture for your own memory, but you don't need to share that with the world, you know? Well, are, are you saying you have to know when to hold them? Uh, yeah, but you're not supposed to fold your picture, so. <laughs> um, does that make any sense? Do you, sure. do you disagree? Um, do, you, do, you, do you think, see, is your argument that everyone puts them out and the market will decide what's important? Um. Because that's a dangerous place to go too. I don't know. Uh, I, I think I think the, the the temptation is there to photograph everything and everyone and every place and everywhere you've because ever been. You can. And, because you can. You know. Um I I still don't. I mean, I have a camera with me all the time in my phone, right? Yeah. I've got my iPhone with me all the time. I've got, you know, Matbox, which if you don't have it, go get it. It's really good. Um but I still am really selective, maybe even too selective about what I, yeah, what you, you I may air, shoot and what I post. You may err too much on the other side. Yeah, I do. <laughs> Where I think it would be good for you mentally to shoot a little more. But that Probably. doesn't mean we all need to see it more. You know, there was No, a, it's just going through the exercise. Right. There was, there was a woman last night before Randy spoke who was showing some pictures from her recent trip to Rome. And me having been to Rome recently, it was all very fresh in my mind. You know? So she's showing these pictures from Rome. And here's the Spanish steps. And you know, here's the trivia fountain and whatever it is. And they were – I hope this woman doesn't listen to our show. Um, well, you know, we are the number three show on <laughs> Stitcher, so she might – they were they were fine pictures, but <laughs> right. I wouldn't be able to pull them. You know, if you if you go to Flickr and search for Trevi Fountain, I would not be able to pull her image out of them. It was just as a, as a standout. Yeah, it was okay. just like okay, yeah, you and six thousand other people took that image that day. Okay, so what but, so what are you saying that six thousand other people aren't saying? Cause that, just isn't because that, isn't it that part of art? Yeah, but just because it doesn't resonate with you. No, they were doesn't just, mean somebody else is going to look at that and go, "Oh my god, that that's really great." Uh, and that that's, I think, what what what. Okay, the, the, yes, there is a there is a certain level of subjectivity in in valuing photographs, but there is a certain there, level. There's of, a there's, there's a, a there's a little it, bit of objectivity too. You know, there there are just you know photographs that everyone would consider bad and everyone would consider really good. You know what I mean? I think there's a lot of gray in the middle, and there's very few at either end. But these are, they were fine photographs, but you know what? You didn't need to show them to 60 people sitting in the room. Like they were mm-hmm. not that good. You know, uh, anyone else in the room could have taken the same photos or better photos. Like show me something that, show me a point of view that you have that no one else has. Okay. But ju- just because someone else can take a better photo, does that mean that you shouldn't? 
No, I think that you that, should, but I think, that, I think that you should find your own voice. There was, there was nothing, there was no perspective in them. You know what I mean? Like they were literally just hold the camera up and take a picture of the Trevi fountain. And you know, there's people in the way and it's like, you couldn't see the water. That's fine. If you're going to do that, how about you make it where you underexpose it? So the people end up becoming like silhouettes in front of the, like there was no decisions made. Okay, you know? but I'm gonna I'm gonna play Trevi. Uh, I'm gonna play Trevi. I'm gonna play devil's advocate. Maybe maybe the photograph was just a marker for the memory. Yes, which is fine. But then maybe, maybe there was no there was no uh, need to make art. I, I'm just making a memory. I'm I'm just marking this so that I can look back on it. Yes, and that's fine. And but there's it, a validity to that. There is absolutely a validity to that. But that but that is not. What what last night was about was a camera club where people were showing their images from an artistic point of view. Okay, you know, in okay. which case, sure, yeah, I'm not stop, I'm not stopping anybody from taking the pictures. Right. I just think you know, if you're going to be showing them to people, don't show stuff that just that doesn't say anything. You know, have something to say. You know, mm-hmm. like if, if people get up, if, if the equivalent of, of a bunch of poets got up and somebody just got up and just started like, you know, talking about the conversation they had with their wife the night before about how their food was cold. And you're just like, wait, is this an actual story or is this just her bitching? You know, right. Like right. It, it felt like that. It was just like, wait, aren't we here to hear stuff that people actually worked on and edited? And you know what I mean? Then mm-hmm. like there was there was some purpose to us being here. And okay. I feel like the same thing is true with photography. Sure, all of those things are pictures. That's great. They're all photography. Yes, it's all true. Yes, you can take f- photographs with everything from, you know, your toenail to, you know, the Hubble Space Telescope. And they're all photographs. Yes, that's all true. But there has to be some sort of valuation within that of 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 what is what is good and what is bad. Because if everything's equal, then nothing's good. You know, what is the, the old Incredibles thing? You know, if everybody's special, then no one is. Right. But then who, who decides that? Well, that, that's a very, who decides what, what is art? What is not? What last is night? It was me. Not? <laughs> wow. And no, so it, it is every Tuesday. You know, no, it's funny. The, <laughs> no, look, I have my opinion. Maybe other people saw these images and were like, Oh, those are so beautiful. I want to get a print of those and hire this woman to come shoot whatever. Maybe they did. I don't know. To me, they were, they were fine, but they, they, it wasn't anything that I walked out of there going, I'm really glad I had, I, you know, I spent those four minutes oh, looking at those pictures. Now we all run through our own filter. A- abs- Every, absolutely. Everything, and everyone right? gets, everyone gets their own say. And you know, yeah. maybe there were people who disagreed with me. Maybe there were, I don't know. Uh, mm-hmm. I will tell you though, that, that, you know, the woman who runs this organization has had me there to judge photographs before to like judge, like they have these little competitions every three months or whatever it is. And, and I've been a judge and then they asked me to be a judge last night. I saw the lady and she's like, Oh, do you want to come judge a thing on, uh, in March? And I'm like, yeah, sure. You know, I, I don't mind going there and I'm not, I wouldn't rip that woman apart, but I would be critical. I'm, I'm, I'm fine being critical, but I'm not a jerk about it. I'm just saying, you know, like, what are you trying to say here? You know, Mm -hmm, I'll ask that mm -hmm. question. Um, so I must have some expertise that not everyone has. Right. Am I the expert of all experts? Absolutely not. Am I like an art reviewer? No. But I'm better than your average bear at it, you know, because that's mm-hmm. what I do. That's what I, you know, do all day long. Um, I don't know. I just, it, it's interesting. I mean, who does decide? And, and what, you know, you, to your point, what's important versus what is good are those two different things. I think often they are. Yeah. 
I mean, important to the art world versus mm-hmm. important to, yeah, it's funny. Uh, last week I met up with a listener and we went to MoMA and your Rauschenberg is down canyons. It wasn't there. I don't you, know. You know why that is? Uh, Cause it's so awesome. They had to take it down cause it was overwhelming people. That is exactly it. People could not go about their day <laughs> after seeing Bob Rauschenberg. <laughs> <laughs> It, it, you know, and the stuff there is, you know, there's a lot of stuff there that apparently is important. You know, those, those, the whole white painting with white paint on it thing. Right. I'm sure that's important in some sort of artistic history, art history, whatever way I look at it and go, are you kidding me? Somebody sold somebody a painting of white on white, you know? So uh, there, there well. was, there was a project there that uh, he and I were talking about, Jason and I were talking about, and it was uh, a guy uh, wrote to a bunch of people. He put on like newspaper things in uh, uh, the Eastern Europe asking for people for their pictures. He said, send me your undeveloped film. I'll develop it and pay for the developing, whatever it is, and send it back to you. But in uh, as a payment, I need to be able to use the pictures for anything I want. Right. So. People wait, wait, wait. Okay, wait, hold on. So you send him your film. Yeah. He pays for processing and prints, sends them back, but keeps a roll for himself. Or a copy of it or whatever. Yeah. Okay. He, and he and can scans. do anything. Right. And okay. so what he did was he did this and then he chose 85 images from like these people in Eastern Europe and put them in a slideshow. And that was his art. And I'm like, wait a minute. Like, so it, was, was the art in the selecting? I guess so. And, you know, we always say art is editing. And, you know, so, well, he edited other people's art. So he made art himself. I mean, yes, it's, a, it's an interesting discussion for us mm-hmm. to have for 10 minutes on the show. But you know what? The pictures, they weren't amazing pictures. They didn't, to me, they didn't really have a cohesive message i mean that, that at that point it's it's not it's curation isn't it right and i kind of said you know what if you had sent me 600 rolls of film and i processed them all and i picked 85 of them out of a uh, out of one of those uh, uh lottery things at random i feel like i would have gotten something that to anybody would be indistinguishable to this you know it's just like oh well, you, 85 even pictures if it of you know even if it wasn't a lottery system even if it was your aesthetic or your sensibility yeah. you are going through and choosing these but i don't know that anybody watching it would think oh that's obviously bill's thing they just it felt like 85 disjointed photographs of random mm. people in the middle you know in eastern europe and i was just kind of like that's art that's it moma you know i and, and I, maybe that guy listens to the show and maybe he's like he's got some perspective that i'm missing but i look at it and i'm just like wait a minute you're not making anything you're just taking other people's pictures and choosing 85 of them and sticking them in a, in a, in a carousel, you know, I I can't comment because I haven't seen it, but I I would like to see it. And and maybe there's a point of view. Maybe, maybe, maybe the art was, was finding um, some sort of cohesive perspective or point of view amidst these sort of disparate elements. Maybe that's the art. And that is absolutely what I hope was happening. But you know, we go around the corner and there's other pictures where you're like, "Oh, wow, that's really cool." Or that's a good idea. Or, mm-hmm. you know, they're doing something different. You know, there was um uh I put it on my Twitter stream. I'm going to have to I'll I'll pull it out. Um there there about 10 years ago, my sister and I, I may have mentioned this before, but my sister and I went to uh, PS1, which is a MoMA's like sort of edgier sibling 
over in Queens. It's an old uh, public school that okay. they took over. And uh, they had a show one time and Melissa and I were walking around and we came into this room and there's like just trash on the ground, like a pile of trash. And I was like, really a pile of trash. That is what is, uh, that's what is claimed to be art nowadays. And I'm going to put this into Skype so you can look at this as we go. But then I noticed that a big spotlight was going through it against the wall and it what the art was not the, the, the pile. It was the shadow on the wall that the pile made. Right. Okay. I have seen these. Yeah. And they are incredible. You know? They are superb. Yes. Yeah. They're they're like, are you kidding me? And you, I look at those and I think, okay, that's something I never would have thought of. Never in mm-hmm. a million years would have thought of. And it's something more than where we were before. And it's something more than, say, photorealistic painting or wherever the, the state of the art is. You know what I mean? Like, it, it took us another level further that I hadn't thought of. And it included craft. It was difficult to do this. Absolutely. And it was like, it's, it's really well done and it's saying something. And I look and I go, this is an example of modern art that makes sense to me in this, in, 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 in the idea that, that this is doing something new and it's not just doing something new in a completely conceptual sense. You're actually doing something that involved it working with your hands. That was hard to do. Right. You know, it was hard to put together. And it becomes transcendent. Yes. You know, you look at these and you go, wow, that's a cool idea. Yeah. Um, and I just, it's those kinds of things. Uh, if I compare this to the guy who just selected 85 photos, it's like, was his thing an interesting, like, uh, um, I don't know, mental concept, you know, again, is it an interesting discussion for us to have for 10 minutes of whether or not that is art? Yeah, sure. In the same way that Warhol stuff, whether or not having a factory full of people making screen print stuff means that he's the artist or not, you know what I mean? Whether Richard Sarah, you know, having other people do his metal work for him. Is it still his art? Blah, 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 blah. Like, sure. We can have that discussion, but it's the, but Richard Sarah's work is still pretty cool. And some of Warhol's work is still kind of cool. This works really cool. 85 pictures in a carousel in the photo section of MoMA. Uh, whose nephew is he? That's what it feels like to me, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and Hey, maybe that doesn't speak to me and this doesn't speak to somebody else, but they love that. I don't, maybe. You know, that's, that's what art's all about. But I just, I just hope that there's something I'm missing because if that's, it it really feels like an emperor's new clothes kind of thing. Like no one's saying that this is absurd. (laughs) You know, it's, it's it's my old adage. If if you can't tell whether it's, whether it's a joke or whether it's real, then you failed, you know? Well, but that gets us back to, to who's saying it's important. And in this case, it's MoMA saying that this is important. Yes. Or somebody at MoMA. Yes. True. Yeah. But if it's, if it's in the building, then it's got their stamp of approval, right? Yeah, I guess so. I mean, I would love to talk to the person to decide why a curator thought that that was important or good Mm -hmm. because to me it was kind of like, huh? Like, am I missing something? And I'm sure that there's some academic rigmarole, much the same way that there's some academic basis for why the white on white was important. And I'm sure Mm -hmm. it was at the time, maybe, you know, like, oh, was somebody saying that, you know, right. The artist is doing work, but there's nothing to show for it. Is that art? Yeah, I guess so. You know, I I find that the subjective objective arguments or discussions fascinating. Absolutely. Because they, they are pervasive across the spectrum. Yes. Whether you're shooting weddings or portraits or making art or painting or writing, th- there's this, always this subjective objective. Yeah. 
And and you know what? When it comes to art, decisions can't be made by popular opinion. Because if that was the case, then Miley Cyrus would be important music in the history of the world. Miley Cyrus was on the shortlist for Time's Person of the Year. Right. Now, th- that's when you have to start questioning whether Time is only just trying to get eyeballs and press hits. You know what I mean? Right. That's Time Magazine trying to become relevant again. Because otherwise, that makes no sense whatsoever. Are you kidding me? 50 years from now, five years from now, you think anybody will give a crap who Miley Cyrus is? You know, I, you know, sometimes I get in the car and the radio and I'm not saying that they're not catchy songs. Of course, they're catchy songs. They have really good producers and songwriters working on right, them. Right, 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 right. But, you know, I listen to Katy Perry and I listen to Miley Cyrus and I listen to whoever else. And all of those songs are completely interchangeable to me. You could give any one of those songs to each other and they'd be just as good. You know, it's a good song. It's catchy. Anybody who, who sings like that, it's it's marketing, right? It's like um, that One Direction band that uh, what's his name put together, the Simon Cowell. You know, he's like he just threw five good-looking British guys together. He's like, you guys are a band now. Go make a lot of money for me. <laughs> does that make them important? Well, right. Millions and millions of people are buying their records. Why is why doesn't that mean that it's important? Well, uh, you know. But but to to some people it is that's that's the benchmark right well t- wait to some people it's important in the long term or some people it's important right now uh probably right now right but as we said last as we said last week we don't get to decide what's important in the long run right it could be that some recording artist who put out a couple of records who was kind of middling and whatever it is right now thirty years from now gets rediscovered as some genius mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know. But will there will there ever be another dark side of the moon that spends, you know, 23 years in the top 100 or something? No, that'll never happen again. There will be records, though, that come out that that, you know, I I would argue that uh, early radio had stuff, the Benz or OK Computer are albums that hold up just as well now as they did 15, 20 years ago when they were when they came out, you know. Like those are really good records and there are other ones like that. And those things are important. Those things are still on the list of, you know, you look on the list of, you know, top 100 Rolling Stone things. The only thing in the last 20 years that are on there are things like Radiohead and stuff, you know, the rest of it's not really on there. Now, is that, is that because of the bias of Rolling Stone for stuff from the seventies and eighties or sixties, you know, or is it, is it a testament to, to Tom's genius or, or Tom's. Yeah, I mean, I think those are particularly good records. I think the stuff after it gets a little too much, like from mm-hmm. Kid A on, that gets a little for me. Um, but but you know, it can't. But it can't be a popularity contest. So you getting back to that woman at the at the thing showing the pictures of Rome, you know, uh, is my say God? No, of course not. You know, but should should art have a shelf life? I think good art doesn't have a shelf life. So no. it's sort of the style fashion argument. Yes. Yeah. Mm. Uh, you know, uh, yesterday um, I was, I was helping a friend work on a project, an art project that was on the wall at this, um, at this location that they were doing, they're doing some big giant fashion thing. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And there were uh, mannequins that had clothes on them, which are apparently like, thousands of dollars for these clothes. Like, you know, it's like one of these super high end things. 
but they had, I went to go help him and he had worked on this thing on Saturday, but he came back on Monday to work on it and they had moved mannequins like too close to the wall. that They couldn't get the gantry up there to work on the thing. So he and I moved these things as, as delicate, delicately as we could possibly move them. I mean, you know, like pick them up from the bottom, you know, straight up, straight down, whatever it is. And we, right. you would ne- if we had moved them and moved them back, no one would ever have known. Right. And this woman comes in who apparently is one of the fashion people and was just like, wait, you, you move the mannequins. And he's like, yeah, we need to do this thing. You know, we, we move them. Okay. We got permission from someone. Like, um, okay. <laughs> but you really shouldn't have moved. It's like, you know what I mean? It's like, no one is going to notice that that jacket was ever moved. Right. No one will notice. Like, you know, it's, 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 oh, that kind of stuff drives me nuts. You know, it's like no one can, and maybe that, look, that's definitely my bias about fashion. Like, I don't get Yeah, you, you've got a, you've got a, a, a big chip on your shoulder. I think that fashion. 90% of it is a complete waste of time, you know, cause 90% of it is forgotten tomorrow by design. It's forgotten tomorrow, you know? And it's like how much, you know, I, I, you know, I'm wearing pants that came out 105 years ago <laughs> they're still fine now you know like i don't care about that stuff so yes i'm not the guy to ask but at the same time it's like wow your your stuff isn't even designed to last let alone you know and this art was up on the wall it was like this paste up thing that my friend did and it was you know beautiful and he's a monster at what he does and the first thing the guy came in to see it was just like so this can come down when we're done right now, of course, it's a rented space. They have to take it down eventually. That's a perfectly reasonable thing. But for him, it was temporary. You the know? entire, the entire, yeah, sort of reason you behind know? it. Yeah, Craig was just working so that this thing could be up for a week while rich people come in and look at this very expensive piece of cloth that there's nothing special about it other than the fact that it's expensive. You know what I mean? Like this is not super high end cotton or something like that. You know, or some some kind of thing that came from some beetle where there's only six in the world or whatever. This is just regular clothes, you know? Okay, but, but, but. Yep. Again, devil's advocate. Uh, it's, it's the way they're put together. I mean, you, you could argue yep. that, that, that it's just tempera. It's just egg and chroma. What's, what's the big deal? There's nothing special about True. color. Yep, yep. But I it's just, the way that it's assembled. It's sure. the way that it's crafted. But, I, it, it, but it feels like, I don't know. I feel like if, if art is going to be called art, it should be called art 15 years from now and 20 years from now and 50 years from now. Like that should be part of your goal. Well, I, I, okay. I, I, I believe that art should be a term reserved for those viewing it, not something that you place on your own work. Uh-huh. I'm creating art. No, you're not right. You're, you're doing the work. If it's, if it's deemed art by the viewer, by those who, see it, enjoy it, and hopefully are moved by it in one direction or another. Yes. Fine. But I, 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 the, the, the idea of saying I'm going to go create some art. No, 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 absolutely. But, but, but okay. But the stuff at the stuff at a place at the level of say MoMA or the Met or the Getty, I expect it to be seen a century from now as, Oh yeah, I can see why they brought that in here. I may not like it. I may not understand what it's saying, but I understand that it is important for X, Y, Z reason. You know what I mean? Yes. And if I can't understand why something's important, I, I, I am at a loss of why it's there at, at an institution right. at that level. Right. Right. You okay. Know? Okay. 
Um, um, there, there's a great quote by uh, uh, Christopher Doyle, who's a, a Hong Kong DP, uh, does a lot of work with Wong Kar Wai and, and shot In the Mood for Love and 2046, which is a brilliant film. And um, he says, art is what artists make. So the process is to become an artist, not to make art. True. Yes. Yeah. But, but then again, love. we've also had the discussion about calling yourself an artist and how that feels really weird too. You know, ultimately, look, we're all just making stuff, you know, and we all have different goals for why we make stuff. Some people want to make money. Some people want to make something that lasts after they're dead. Some people just want to get out of their own heads because they sit there and stare at spreadsheets all day long. So who, who knows what it is, right? Right, right. But we all have our own reason for doing it. I love um, the idea of making things as as an escape from something else. Yes, but there's also something kind of melancholy and frustrating about that, isn't there? I don't, I don't think so. I find it uplifting. If eventually they're going to get out of that, but if they feel like they're in purgatory and this is their one release, isn't that kind well, of but, like uh, but Sisyphus? It's, yeah, but it's making it's making a sort of pejorative judgment that that what I'm escape, escaping from is something I hate. Maybe it's just a different side of my personality. Maybe I maybe I love looking at spreadsheets, but but working with paint or metal or wood or something else that, that just satisfies another side of me. It doesn't, I don't, I don't think in order to, to create something, I don't think the rest of your life has to be horrible. Oh, I no, I, I understand that. It, uh, my thing is that I just, I know a lot of people who are tortured artists in the sense that they really would like to be making art and they've chosen not to because they don't think they can make enough money or they're worried about, you know, for all the reasons that we talk about. Yeah. Um, it just, but, but, and that's fine if they understand that and they're okay with that, but it makes me sad when people do that, but then are just on their deathbed. They're going to be like, I just wish I had spent more time making stuff. You know what I mean? It's just like, Oh, that's just sad. You know, in that pathetic, whatever kind of way. I don't know. You know what I mean? Uh, yes, I, I do know what you mean, but I don't, but, uh, but I don't know what the answer is, mm-hmm. you know, cause you also don't want them to have them, you know, have to be on state support because they can't. No, but pay the, their bills. you just do it. You just, you just, you really just do the work, whatever yeah. that work is. And if it, if it sees the light of day, so be it. If it doesn't, so be it. You know, I, I've got dozens and dozens and dozens of, of notebooks of my mother's writing that never saw the light of day. And she's a wonderful writer. Uh, Was are you going to publish writer. them? No. Because it's for you? I, well, I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe at some point there, there's, a, there's a narrative in there. But she, it just brought her joy. Hmm. It brought her joy to write. It wasn't, it wasn't to, to say, look, I'm a writer or to, to sell X number of copies. She just did it for the joy of it. You know, that's an interesting thing about that Vivian Mayer woman. Maybe she never wanted anyone to see those. Maybe it was I think her that's wish that those possible. things go and disappear and that was what she made, but that, that they, she made them for her, not for anyone else. And she was embarrassed. She didn't want them to be seen by anybody else. And now everyone's making a big stink out of them. She, and she's sitting in her grave going, oh, my God, what are you people doing? Yeah. <laughs> you know? I, I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't think making things for the sake of making them is a bad thing or no. creating for the sake of creating. I, I think, think that, that is the noble. only reason to create. Yeah. And I think any other reason – to me, feels dirty, compromised. Mm, okay, I wouldn't go that far, but okay. Well, not not entirely compromised, but like if you're doing it for something else, it's like okay, well then then you're a plumber, which is fine, but like you know, 
call yourself a plumber. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, and yeah. that, that's, that's just because of my own, what I, what I want to get out of it all. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Hey, uh, you want to talk about, uh, you want to talk about some Shutterstock? Uh, more than anything. <laughs> I, I've, I've looked up, I've looked up fashion and I don't know how they can have 2.9 million results for fashion when they've only got 32 photos in their collection. No, 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 no. Jeffrey. They have over 30 million photos in their collection. I'm sorry. But that I doesn't that mean wrong. that fashion is 10% of the Shutterstock catalog. <laughs> uh, Shutterstock.com, where you can find over 30 million images, stock photos, vectors, illustrations, and a million video clips. Start your search at Shutterstock.com to find that perfect image for your website, ad, publication, or other creative project. Shutterstock gives you a global image collection to find the images you need from across the world to suit your project. Choose between image packs and monthly subscription packs. Uh, whatever you need, you never have to compromise. Uh, if you have just one image for your blog or mock-up, you, you can get that. Uh, you can visit there. You find something new every day because there's 20,000 new images every day, 12,000 new videos each week. Uh, yeah, they've got 50,000 videos, video clips of snow. Do they really? <laughs> 50,000. If you're looking to make us like a... a a presentation this winter you're, you're, you're doing your December project and you need some, you're like, oh, I'd really like to have some snow. You can 50, make that 000. happen. You could make that happen. Uh, I still, I, I'm still pushing for the Shutterstock short film contest. I wonder if there's a, is there, are there, are there any pictures of mailmen in snow? Um, whatever size you need, you just pay only one price. They don't nickel and dime you for the high res images. If you need them, take them. You can cr- uh, curate and share pictures via light boxes. There's an iPad app to do that. Send them to your friends. Uh, and there's something called enhanced license access. So you can do a print run or swag for your trade shows or, you know, a picture of Jeffrey with bling. Uh, you can get that too. <laughs> uh, they, they have a huge wait, wait, is it grill. If I just look up grill, <laughs> they have a huge library of vectors, <laughs> icons, infographic templates, and video clips. Should you need any, need any of those? And if you need help, they've got an account rep dedicated to you that doesn't sleep is available to you 24 hours during the week. All right, this uh, is the wrong kind of grill, but they do have 11,000 video <laughs> clips of grill. So if you want to get your if you want to get your steak on, your barbecue on? Yeah, yeah. That's They got to have pictures go. of people with gold teeth. Sign up for a free browse account, go to shutterstock.com, you don't need a credit card. When you find the images you like and decide to purchase, use the offer code, ready? Pictures 1213. Uh, and you'll get 25% really? off that's, any that's package. That's all you got. Well, they, they don't, we don't get to choose the ones. Right, if we look up gold teeth, 4,400 results. There you go. And half of them are probably of the guy I know. Uh, so <laughs> pictures 12, 13, you get 25% off any package you put together at Shutterstock.com. Uh, they're great. And uh, we, we thank them very much for their sponsorship. I don't, I don't get the whole grill. You end up looking like Richard Keel. I don't know who Richard Keel is. Am I supposed to know that? Come on, man. Jaws from the Bond films. Oh, that guy. Yeah, okay. Well, you just gave it to me. Um, you know, uh, my dad used to see him all the time at Caro's Restaurant in Glendora because he used to live over there. That, that was a nice uh, nice little plug there. You know, I heard a story last night. One of the pictures... <laughs> I wasn't plugging Caro's. <laughs> oh, you friends Although, with Caro uh, or something? Uh, <laughs> they have a wonderful two-for-one breakfast. Yeah, they're, they're, their Christmas pie selection is fantastic. <laughs> Get your orders in now. You know, uh, yesterday... Uh, uh, Randy was showing a picture on on his in his show of this guy who owns this restaurant, which is now in this area over in Brooklyn that is pretty nice, but I'm sure it was not nice back in the day. 
And apparently at some point, like in the late 70s or early 80s or whatever it is, there's some sort of like a riot in the neighborhood. You know, like it was things got out of control. Probably some. Wait, there was a riot in New York in the 70s. Yeah, I know. Right. Hard to believe. (laughs) And um, apparently people who lived near this restaurant would drive their cars up onto the sidewalk in front of the restaurant to protect it from people. Because they loved their restaurant so much. Yeah. Wow. Isn't that great? That is pretty great. It's a great story. Huh. I was like, that That kind of makes me feel good about the world, you know? Yeah. Uh, you ever see that movie Big Night? Uh, no. Two brothers on a restaurant. Tony Shalhoub uh, is in it. Big Night. Big Night. Is it good? It's fantastic. Uh, yeah, okay. it's... Uh, it's uh, oh, what's his name? Oh. Uh, oh, now I'm going to blank Tucci? on it. Stanley Tucci. Yeah. Stanley Tucci and and uh, Tony Shalhoub play these brothers that have a restaurant and they have this one big night to make a splash with the credit, the critics or or the restaurant's going to go under. Fantastic little film. Uh, I love um, is, is it like kind of like Bottle Shock, which was a cute film, too? Uh, similar. That's the, the, the Alan Rickman one, right? Yeah. Yeah. I love that movie. Yeah, it's a cute movie with uh, Captain Kirk. Is he in that? Chris Pine. Oh, Chris. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The, the, the young Chris Pine. Yeah. Um, so, you know, the, the light is beautiful outside and, and it was coming down in these big giant, uh, clumps of, 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 uh, snow. And so I was like, oh, I should go outside before we record and take some pictures out in the snow. You should grab your X 100 S and go. Oh, Oh, right. (laughs) So I pull out my five D three. Yeah. Which I used yesterday and it won't turn on. Man, you have had more problems with that thing. What's, what's going on with that camera? What, I think, you, what are you doing over there in New York with that camera? What must have happened is that somehow the power switch got switched while it was in my bag and it turned on like uh, the video, the live view or whatever. Um, you sure it's battery's just not dead? Well, so the battery was dead, but this battery doesn't just die like that. These batteries, like I, if I had my old Mark II, I used to not charge the battery for like weeks because I'd get like 1,600 pictures on a battery. Okay, you know have you mean? charged the battery and tried that? Well, right. So I, I pulled the battery out and I put it in the charger and it was completely dead, which means it must have done something like that. I mean, it was like, it wouldn't even turn on and tell me that the battery was dead. Like nothing, nothing react. All right. And so I pulled another battery that I charged a couple weeks ago and put it in there. And that one said it was dead too, even though I charged it a couple weeks ago. And I'm like, what the heck is going on here? And... But it just kind of gets me, yes, I've had nothing but trouble with this. I had the the joystick little thing popped off. I sent it in. They sent it back to me with the whole back replaced because apparently that little joystick piece of plastic is connected to the entire back plate, including the screen. <laughs> um, but they That's didn't, cost effective. <laughs> but they didn't plug in the LCD right, so the LCD was all corrupt. So I sent it back in. They fixed that, and they sent it back to me. The grip, pl- like rubber glue is coming up a little bit so I can like pull up the rubber on the grip on the corner and now this and this is a $3,500 body you know I didn't have any problem my original 5D and my 5D2 and my 1DS3 and my 20D before I had no problems at all with that it just it guess I I guess my question is what do you do when you got a lemon camera or a lemon piece of gear you know I don't, I don't know. And, and I guess you just keep sending it in. Keep sending it in and maybe make a big enough stink on a, the number three podcast on Stitchers. Right? Hey, <laughs> w- welcome. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't, yeah, I don't know. I mean, 
you, you've had very strange issues with that camera. And, and it's not like, okay, like when it the, was when, in when, the first batch though, this yeah. was like right when it came out. And, and maybe there's something to that. I know when, when Nikon released the first, the, the, the D600, the first batch of the D600, there were sporadic uh, issues with, with oil on the shutter or, or on the sensor rather. And right, people would right, get little right. drops on the sensor. Um, you could argue that that's what the 610 is. It's just a 600 with a more reliable shutter. Which, right, right, right. Okay. Do you think whatever. Is that, is that actually true? I know the 610 it's doesn't the same, have the same problem. Yeah, it's the ex- it's the exact same camera with a different shutter. Okay, it's a nice uh, camera, by the way. I played with one. Very nice, yeah. but they they should have maybe tested that before it came out. Anyway, neither here nor there. So yeah, what do you do? Do you do you send it in? Yeah, because um, they're just gonna say send it in and we'll fix it again. Or what happens when this camera's now out of warranty because it's two years old or wherever the hell long the warranty is? And I've got well, this camera that's breaking down all the time because it was never put together well in the first place. Okay, number one, all the time is a little bit of a stretch, but okay. Number two, this is this is it's your hyperbole. This is <laughs> ah, I've heard of that. Uh, <laughs> this this is your tool. This is your this is your sort of right. So now uh, I have to have a backup for my yeah. This is your camera? your favorite Snap-on wrench, right? You know, or your only Snap-on wrench. I have this camera because I can trust it. And now I can't trust it. Um. Yeah. So what do you do? I, it's, it's, it's really kind of racking me right now. Where it's, did you, where did you buy it from? Uh, I bought it through one call. So, you know, they're, you know, a, a Canon dealer and blah, 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 blah. I mean, do they, do they, do they swap it out? Do you, does it, is there a, I've never, you know, dealt with that. I, you know, either of I, I mean, I'm a, I'm a CMS or C, CPS, CSP, Canon professional services, CPS member. So, you know, maybe I call and make a stink over there and see if they could swap it out or something for like a refurbished one. It's just, it's annoying to me that, I, I don't know, it's just, it's, I like the idea of trusting your gear and having gear that you can trust. You know what I mean? Like my old camera, I would never, I never even worried about it. Like I never, unless it was some, you know, multi tens of thousands of dollar photo shoot that I was doing for some reason, I don't carry multiple cameras. Right. You know? Well, like, but I mean, isn't, isn't you are quality control, the con, the consumer, the customer, you are quality control. I mean, isn't that, isn't that the whole basis of why there are manufacturers warranties? Yeah, I get. So you're saying they just send them out. No, a couple of them go bad. So yeah, we're, yeah. we're going to give you two years to find something wrong with it because these are just, we're not testing these. They're coming off the line. We're boxing them. We're shipping them. We're sending them out with anything, not just cameras. Yeah. The yeah. customer is, is, is quality control. Yeah, and I just I worry that this thing is for some reason there's something wrong with it that that is beyond some sort of like they they keep fixing these superficial things that never gets down to the cost and then it goes out of warranty and then whatever the main thing fails is and I send it in and they're like that'll be two thousand dollars to replace right, you know right. and I'm like wait a minute like or I just got screwed fail, here with my pants on it doesn't fail the morning of a snow day it fails mid shoot yeah. Oh, yeah. shooting a magazine project or something. Yeah, and then what do I do? Do you even own a backup body anymore? Uh, not a digital SLR Canon one, no. But hmm. I, cause, because I have owned before, like when I had my Mark II, I kept my Mark I as a backup mm-hmm. for two years, and I never used it once. You know, it just sat on the shelf. And I was like, this is just stupid. Why, do, why am I paying to have two cameras? You know what I mean? 
Like mm-hmm. that's a lot of money just to have be sitting there, you know. And yeah, until you need it, right? Well, you know, yes, I guess I could go buy a T three I for four hundred dollars or whatever it is to have as a backup. But I'm not going to carry that around. I'm carrying two cameras around. What am I? What is this? Nineteen eighty six. Was that it? Was nineteen eighty six? That it? I was trying to come up with something better, but that's the best <laughs> I could come up with at the time. I don't know. Just and I think what is I, it? Nineteen eighty six. You know what? Here's the thing, though. I think part of the problem is the fact that these cameras are trying to do so much. You know, mm-hmm. if if my 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 idea is correct and it's because of the live view video stuff got clicked on somehow and sucked down the battery while it was in my bag. Well, you know what? I have no option. If I never want to use video or live view, I have no way to like shut off that function in that button somewhere. You know? Yeah, you got you got to buy a Nikon DF. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Right. But I mean, you know, but you see what I'm saying, but that thing's yeah. got extra tons of buttons too. It's like, I don't, if I don't need all these features it has, there's no way for me to not get those features, you know? Um, so and, what, what is your, what is your solution? My solution would be ideally, uh, uh, a firmware upgrade where you could say, turn off live view and video. So that button just is dead button on there. Or remap it to something else. Yes. You know, Re- remap that button entirely. Come on. It's software. You guys can do anything. These buttons are just a signal that gets sent to a CPU. You could write that stuff to do anything. You know, any button can do anything you want. So how, why not have some sort of super expert mode that gives the people the options to do that, to turn off certain functions, you know, to for landscape photographers to make that the mirror lockup button, you know, which has always been the, the sort of thing that people bitch about on Canon cameras that you have to go through menu systems to do the mirror lockup stuff. Mm. Um, you know, I, if, if, if I don't want the, if I'm scared of my battery getting sucked down because this thing gets clicked on in my bag, well, let me just turn it off entirely. If I never use the video part, let me just turn it off. Okay. Yeah. You're charging me for it, but let me turn it off, you know? Right. Um, and people would say, oh, well, that's what the pro cameras are for. And it's like, well, it, you know, at $3,500, you know, I've had an $8,000 1D. Is a thirty five hundred dollar camera not considered a pro camera? Yeah, because if it's because if the one D, no, uh, I'm asking the question. Right, if if the five D Mark III is not considered a pro camera, then what is it considered? Because you know this one and the Mark II are what the guy who shoots the president uses. So if that's not professional, then what is? No, no, uh, you're missing the point. I'm no, asking, you're ask, it, actually asking me if they consider yeah, it a, it, a pro it is, camera. Is the five D three considered a pro camera in Canon's line? Do they ever say what they consider what? Uh, no, they just say, uh, no, they, well, they don't really say. And, and what, what defines a pro camera? Right. Well, to, for me, it would be, you know, this camera feels a lot more pro than the Mark two did the shutter, the, the blackouts faster, the shutters tighter, the whole body feels uh, a, a much more like sturdy, like one piece and that kind of stuff. So it really does feel like a one D with the bottom chopped off. Mm-hmm. which is exactly what I wanted because I loved my 1D. It's just too big and heavy, and, and the screen was bad because at the time the screens were like low res on those. Uh, and I wanted something lighter and smaller because I've always been a X-Wing guy, not a, uh, a Millennium Falcon kind of guy. Like I'd rather have the small, nimble thing, you know? I want the uh, speeder. I don't want see, the AT-AT. I'd, I'd rather have the, the the Falcon. Right. Well, that's where you and I differ, right? But I Rumor like, has it that J.J. Uh, Abrams had a full-scale Millennium Falcon built for the next film. Uh, to do what? To be on the outside of it? Yeah, shoot exteriors and interiors. They're going to shoot around it, in it. 
Must be Very nice excited. to be really rich. <laughs> Must be nice to have hundreds yeah, of millions yeah, of dollars yeah. to mess around with. J.J. Abrams, not a bad life. Do you, but do you, what do you think that this should be considered? I mean, is there a line? Is there? I, I don't. I don't think that the hardware needs to have a moniker of pro or amateur. No, I, but, I, I think that's silly okay. to me. No, of course that's silly. But I guess my question is, if the distinction that we're making is that pro gear is supposed to be more reliable and break less and all that kind of stuff, which is kind of the point of pro level anything. You know, that's right. why you buy snap on tools because they don't snap in half when you're got to pull out a wrench to turn it an extra thing. Cause it's tight or whatever, you know? Yeah. I, th- I think that, wow, hmm, this could be a bigger discussion. And then I my little that- red ring on my, on one of my L glasses popped off last week. Yeah. Look, it's, it's all just stuff. It's all just plasticky mm-hmm. stuff. Yep. You know, the, 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 the neon is made, you know, arguably by the same machines that make the Corvette or whatever. You yeah. know what I mean? Yep. It, 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 it's, it, I don't know. I, I have a hard time with, with, with. But you do appreciate build quality and whatnot. Absolutely. Right. So what's Absolutely. the answer? Uh, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I don't know. I don't think I have an answer. Yeah. Go buy a Hasselblad. Go buy a yeah, you know, but see, you know what? Like, I'm sure those things they make far fewer of them, and are they really built that much better? Or do you have to then? Do you have to even, uh, uh, you know, hold those with silk gloves because they can break too? And if they break, how long does it take to get that back? You know, I don't know. How I mean, fast I, is the turnaround on that kind of gear? Because now, oh, now I got to send it to this one place in the continent. You know, um, I don't know. I That's, mean. Carl said they they beat the hell out of an H5 in Iceland and it was beautiful and kept working and kept working and it, you know. Yeah. But maybe the hospital, he's a sponsored by them. So maybe Hasselblad gave him a, a nice, nice one. He's not sponsored by them. He's not. He, he buys his gear. Yeah, but he does like talks for them and stuff. So maybe they're good to him. I don't know. Well, it doesn't, but, but whether or not they're good to him doesn't make the product that they make any better. No, 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 I guess you're right. Yeah. But you know what? To the same point, I've beat the hell out of every other Canon camera I've ever had, and I've never had anything fail. So get up, a, up, get up until Pentax. a year ago, you know, you could have argued that I never, you know, Oh, I can guarantee any Canon camera will last forever. Cause that's my experience. It's like, well, right. you know, it was my experience you know, right. up until this thing. And, and it's, and it's a little disconcerting when something you think is always going to be there. Isn't there. It's kind of like all of a sudden there's a hole in the floor of your apartment. You're like, wait a minute. Right. There's never Maybe been a you just got a bad apartment. unit. I think I probably did. But how do I explain that to the guy at the thing? You know, they're never going to do that because I'm sure it's in their script to never replace stuff unless they absolutely, absolutely, absolutely have to. You know, because that just leads I, to all kinds of bad stuff. For yeah, them, but I mean. by the same by the same point, how much in I mean, look at it in dollars and cents. Let's say this is the fourth time it goes in. Yes, it's costing them more to keep fixing is what you're saying. At, at some point it will be. Yeah, maybe. I, I, I'll, 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 maybe, you know what? I'm going to call in and bitch. I just, I need the camera this weekend for a job. So I thought you said it didn't work. Well, I'm charging the battery. I think it will once the battery charges. I'll find out right now. Hold on a second. If all of this is just because you didn't charge the battery, I mean, no, no, very but the battery was fully charged yesterday. So what happened between yesterday and today is my battery is my, my camera just sucking down my batteries while it sits in the bag. That's all I see what problem. you're saying. I see what you're saying. Yeah. See, now it's fine. 
because I charged the battery for the last hour and a half. But like, why did the battery go down in the first place? It was at three quarters of a battery yesterday, which should get me, you know, another 400 shots on this thing. You know? Yeah. Very, very disconcerting. Anyway, we can move on. What's up? What's next? Uh, you've got some note in here about social media. You're taking a break. You're, 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 you're going on hiatus. Uh, yeah, I, well, I, I kind of stopped checking Facebook. I check it like every three days just to make sure there's not some like, you know, event that I'm invited to that I will miss and be an idiot if I don't write them back, you know, that kind of thing. Wouldn't it email you? Uh, have Facebook email me? I think if you're, yeah, if you're invited to something, it'll send you an email on it. Okay. I think so. I will have to, it doesn't right now, but maybe I can set that up. But yeah, you know what? I just figured like, what does it actually get me? Like you said, you know, are you just going to chase followers and likes? You know? Well, uh, I spend a lot of time on Facebook just flipping through crap and going to Lifehacker articles. Okay, but that's the thing is is you can you can absorb social media or you can have a social media strategy for yeah. growing growing your business or yeah, okay. getting exposure or whatever okay. it is. The, the, all of those feel like like slick slimy words to me. Okay, but they work for some people. Sure. They don't work for you because yeah. you don't put the time into it. Yeah, but Full I do. Stop. I, right, but I don't, it's not that I don't put the time into it. I mean, you know, I, I tweet in Facebook and Google Plus more than your average bear. Um, maybe. I try to get people to go read the posts that I write and the things that I'm written up in and I reply to people who reply to me. I do all the things you're supposed to do. Um. For my particular kind of work, yeah, it doesn't it doesn't end up leading whatever. But I mean, even beyond my business, what does Facebook do for me? You know what I mean? Is it is it really adding to my life that some girl I went to high school with just had a baby? You know, like why am I looking at that? Why am I spending that time? Well, I, again, I think that that it's it's in the way that you use it's it. It's in the way that uh. you use it. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I should have I should have heard that coming. Uh, but I didn't. didn't. So you great. got me, Wadman. You got me. <laughs> um no, I I think that, that that Facebook is 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 part of a broad strategy. Uh, if 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 you're wanting breakfast. to use Yeah. If you're wanting to use social media to you know, it it, it kind of depends on what you want to use it yeah. for. I guess, you know, where, where is the point at which, where's the, is, is there a point of diminishing returns? Sure there is. Right. But again, it's, it's, look, I, I have gotten, um, not only a lot more followers and traffic to Faded and Blurred from social media. I've also been exposed to some really fantastic stories and ideas and work via social media that I never would have seen otherwise. Oh, I'm not saying that it's completely worthless. I'm just saying that I think that it's taken over a, 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 a super important amount of people's. I think people give it far more importance than it actually should have to the point where they're not actually interacting with people on a one-to-one basis. You know what I mean? Like I personally, I'd much prefer somebody send me an email to tell me something versus just write it on my Facebook wall. 
That seems to me like I can have a much better dialogue with them there. Is that me? Is that because I'm an old guy? I don't think so. Um, I, I tend to have more conversations on Twitter and Google Plus or, or there, there's, there's more back and forth on Twitter and Google Plus than on Facebook. Uh, wait, you have better stuff on Twitter and Google Plus than Facebook? Is that what you're saying? Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and and I, I think there's value in that. I, I, I think that that you have to manage not only your expectations, but uh, the way you're interacting with with these technologies, the way that you're interacting with with these different circles of of engagement. Right. Do you think that for your average enthusiast who isn't trying to garner viewers and followers and trying to sell their, you know, workshops or whatever it is. Do you think that for your average person, there is a lot of value in this stuff from the point of view of actual community building to, to not necessarily. I think a lot of it is, is, you know, it's easy for it to become a distraction, right? You know, and at what point is, you know, is Tumblr social media Uh, or is that, uh, what is that blogging? I guess it's a, you know, it, I mean, they call it a micro blogging platform. But I'm friends with Kelby and Chase Jarvis and these people on Facebook, but like, I don't, they don't know me from Adam. You know what I mean? As my father used to say. So, right. so, you know, they just, I am just another possible purchaser of their product. Right. You well, know? and it, again, it's, it's how you approach it. It's, yeah. it's, you know, we've got, uh, Closing in on 800 people in the group, in the, the G plus group. Right. And those are the, people who wanted to be there. Right. But the vast majority of them, I don't know and haven't had any interaction with. Yep. Um, but there are a growing number that I am getting to know their work and they're maybe recognizing who, who I am. And I, there's a building process there and I'm yep. enjoying that quite a bit. Sure. Yep. Um, uh, same with Twitter. There are people that, that comment or, or send me little notes on Twitter and I, and I try to make it a point to respond to everything yep. because I value the fact that you've taken time out of your day to say something to me. Yeah. But other people like uh, Merlin Mann would say, just because you wrote something to me doesn't obligate me to write you back. Well, and that that's fine for and, Merlin, for Merlin. <laughs> and, and maybe it, get, maybe it will get to a point where I can't keep up with it or I can't. Right. I guess that's the, the, yeah, that, right. But I try to respond because yeah. it's, I, I'm trying to respect the fact that you took the time out of your day, which I'm assuming is, is just as busy, if not busier than mine, or it's just as important or whatever sort of value you want to put on it. But you took time to say, Hey, you know, I don't like this or I do like this or what do you think about this? I'm going to try and respect that and respond. Okay, that's fair. You know, um, and I think that's where with any social media, you know, to go back to our, 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 our friend Seth Godin, that's where the value comes in is cultivating relationship, is creating relationship. It's I, not, you know. I always find it interesting too when there's somebody who is some person who you wouldn't think, you know, uh, some woman who owns like a babysitting company in Nebraska and she's got 45,000 followers for some reason, right. you know, like right. there, there's those examples where you're like, wait a minute, who the hell is that person? You know, it's like, yeah. Um, that kind of cracks me up too. 
uh, it's like there's there there's no your follower numbers, like numbers, whatever it is, like whether that actually translates into actual value is a well, dubious question. What value are you looking for it to translate into? Yeah, right. I, I, I think that I currently am, am just marginally above fail in, in terms of how I use social media. And I, I, I want to be better at it. And I've got some ideas and some strategies about where I want it to fit in my both personal and professional lives. And I want to implement those. I want to, it's sort of a, a social media experiment. Yeah. But I also feel like that in some ways, if it's not just coming organically to you to, to converse and to interact on these things, the whole idea of having a strategy, to, it's like, if that's like saying I need to have a strategy for how I'm going to handle this cocktail party I'm going to. And that just feels icky to me. You know, it's like, if it's not just natural, then, then, then it well, really it is just a big it, advertising session. And then it can't the be natural. It can't Why? be natural because, because there, there is this cold technological intermediary between you and another person. Yeah. But I mean, what, what you're saying and how you're saying it and who you choose to respond to and how you choose to respond. If you're always thinking about it as, Oh, this is some PR game. That's not what I'm saying. Okay. That's not what I'm saying at all. What I'm saying for, for like for me personally, I, I don't, I don't comment on enough people's work that okay. I see. I don't, I don't, I will look at it and I'll, I'll plus one it more than I will take the time to go, here's what I like about this. Here's what resonates with me here. Here is what works for me. Or maybe here's what doesn't work. Okay. That's what I mean by strategy. I want to engage more rather than just using the, the, the like button, the plus one button. I want to make my case for why I'm taking the time to comment or, or, or single this piece of work out. Okay. That's fair. And I think that that, that plays into what you're trying to do with faded and blurred in the first place. Yes. Which, which is very it, it, much it plays into what I'm tr- it, It's what I'm trying to do with my life. Yeah. That's, sure. that's what I want to do. I want to celebrate things that, that, that move me. Okay. You know, uh, as long as you're doing it with a pure heart, I'm all for it. It's, it's all, it's all intention. You can, okay. it, that's, you know, my mom used to just say that, that you can pretty much say anything to anyone. It's all in how you serve it up. Hmm. You know, it's, 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 it's the, it's the intent behind it. It's, it's what you're, what you're really saying. So seriously, you could make a million dollars. Proverbs of Jeffrey's mother. <laughs> Book one. <laughs> like the, like the, like the, the bathroom this. books. Yeah, like the Samuel Pepys diary where it's yeah. like 14 volumes or yeah. something. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's genius. Yeah. Um, what do you think of this exposure thing? Um, okay. I, I, I why, like Why it. is it exposure? What is SO? What, what, who owns SO? Is that a S- Singapore? No. Hmm. I'll have to look that up. Uh, yeah. What is that? It's a country uh-huh. code for Somalia, apparently. But what 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 are they using it as? Do you think Somalia? That's a yeah. That's a strange exposure. So capture so yeah yeah exposure. So are they are they pirates? <laughs> Arg. <laughs> um, I like the idea of it, but okay. what, you know, what is the idea? Tell, give us the idea little... is you you can create their tagline is create beautiful photo narratives. So the idea is 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 you you upload photos 
and then uh, write write some sort of narrative to tie it all together. Um, is it well designed? Yes, beautiful. It looks uh, like Squarespace. It's, it's it's from the guy who uh, who who created Vimeo. Okay, the and, way I understand and it. Things list. Yeah. Um, the problem is, like you know, like we were talking before the show. Not not every photograph needs to be strung together with a bunch of other photographs, then have some sort of yeah quasi narrative story written about. Not all of them are should not just not just should be, but can be. You know what I right. mean? Right. Right. Um, I the idea that that there needs to be some sort of overarching story to photography. What is the um, <clears throat> Who was it? It was a, oh, I listened to an interview the other day. Oh, you know what it was? It was on Stuff You Should Know. They asked Chris Rock what what is funny. Right. And he said, talking about it's not funny. Like, discussing what's funny isn't funny. <laughs> like, the minute you start talking about it, you just threw away everything that made it funny. <laughs> like, okay. If you have to explain the joke, it's not funny, basically. Right, right, right. You know, so in, um, some, in some ways, like, you get to the point where... If it feels like the world wants every photo to be a uh, 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 some sort of life changing statement, you know, yes, that, that that you have to have this perspective on the world that's going to like change the world. It's like no, it doesn't have to change the world. It could be just something that somebody looks at and goes, "Oh, I really like that one," and then moves on. That can be enough, right? You know, it doesn't. Not everything has to be. Uh, uh, something from like the, uh, uh, the, what's it called? Uh, the WPA, you know? Right. Right. Well, and, and the other idea that I'm, I mean, on so, sometimes it's going to turn out really well, but other times because it's, it's putting photographers, it's, it's forcing photographers to now wear another cap. And that is the, the cap of, of writer or storyteller. Do, do, and, do you have to use words in this or could you just do a series of images? I'm sure you could just do a series of images, but it's set up where, where you can, you can interject little, little bits of, of prose or, uh, you know, quotes that you find on brainy quote or something. Okay. I got you. But again, it's, 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 it's saying now you need to wear this hat. Okay, first you wanted to build your own website, then you wanted to design your own business cards, now you want to edit your own video, now you want to do this, now you want to, now you have to write your own stories. Where back in the day, somebody who was doing that, somebody would go, who do you think you are trying to do all that stuff? And now right. it's like, who do you think you are only doing one of those things? Right. And this is the thing that bothers me about, about things like this, is it, it seems like it's taking focus away from who and what you are to now fill these gaps with something else. Yeah. What's wrong with not being a multitasker? Right. Right. What's wrong with being a specialist? Right. Yeah. I, I have said that uh, for a while and it, people dislike me for it. <laughs> now that, <laughs> that being said, it's, it's a beautiful platform. Oh, it's very pretty. Um, it, it, it does look like Squarespace. Doesn't um, it? Yeah. In fact, yeah. you could almost see this being a Squarespace 
built yeah. thing. Yeah. In fact, what if it is actually built on Squarespace? That would be really that would be fun. pretty funny. Um, what is this? What is this thing that people use now? This whole downward scrolling things where things appear and slide up. You know what I'm talking about? Right, the little parallax kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah, what yeah. Is, who, yeah. Is, is that just a jQuery plugin That's, that people use? Uh, I think it's built into HTML5 and CSS. Oh, okay. I need to do some more of that. Um, but yeah, it it it, it then becomes. It, it becomes ubiquitous with with web design and photography. And who's taking enough time to actually read all of that and look at all those pictures? Yeah, you it's know, a it's great a, idea. I think it's a fantastic oh, idea. Oh, it is. And, I, and, a, and the platform is wonderful. My 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 fear is it's going to be something is going to have to suffer either either the quality of the photographs or the quality of the writing. Well, you know what? And to, to be my only sort of pet peeve about stuff like this is the same thing with uh, like pages or, you know, all these different or even iPhoto or iMovie, all the Apple sort of creative things for consumers is that they're all based around like templates mm-hmm. like this where, and it's fine, but like not, you have to have pre- to look good in a template. The content has to look pretty good. You know what I mean? Like you have to have good content to begin with. And there's, there's always a thing where it's like, okay, yeah, that, that example that Apple used in their pages thing looks really good. But if everyone's thing looked exactly like that, because there's only like two templates in there and you can't change them all that much. Well, then it just feels like you just slapped a thing on top of your work. You know what I mean? Right. It's just like, I, I, it's like, there's, is there any personal, is there much personalization or is it just putting images and whatever it is, you know? Right. Like, uh, I, I will tell you one thing that bothers me about that. I don't know if it's just this one, but this story that I'm looking at, you can't click, 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 click through all of the photos. If you click the photo, it goes back to all of them. You can't cycle through them in a gallery kind of a situation. Oh, really? That's, that's a crappy oversight. I don't know if it's just this one, if that's a setting that maybe you can toggle, but that's, you know, I wouldn't say crappy, but. Uh, oh, you're right. That's exactly what it does. Yeah. So it, it sends you back to the full story rather than letting you either mouse wheel or click through. Well, because Jeffrey, you're supposed to be reading. Right. But if I've, if I've read the paragraph and I've now gotten to no, the no, photos. No, no, no. Yeah. You're supposed no? to be reading. It's a story, Jeffrey. It's not about a photo. <laughs> so I was exposing okay. people to anyway. a larger narrative. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, um, <laughs> it, it, it's got the potential to be something very cool, but uh, I, I think by and large it it probably will will just be okay for me uh totally hey uh do you see this daguerreotype self portrait that the guy took i love this 18 uh, 39 no it wasn't it was it was 2012 in a coffee shop in williamsburg no 1839 <laughs> yeah oh wait he, i know that guy he does a he does a cool <laughs> you're like he used to babysit me oh <laughs> Um, man, that guy looks cool though. He does. He has fabulous hair. And I love how they're just like, he had to sit still for three to 15 minutes. And you kids think that one second exposure is a really long time. Yeah. Um, I just, it's funny how they were just like, when I first read it, it it's just like quite possibly, possibly the world's first selfie. I was like, yeah, whatever. And then I look and I'm like 1839. That's actually could actually be the first, the the first surviving self portrait. It's pretty neat. It's a hell of a lot better than Kim Kardashian. Nice light. I, I have no response for that. You don't like Kim Kardashian? 
I don't know her personally, I, or, I, or I don't I don't like why she is famous. Yeah, I don't like it either. I don't like that Kanye either. But what do I know? I don't know yeah. anything anymore. Uh, yeah, this is a neat little selfie thing. I like this a lot. Uh, we'll put right, a link so, in the show notes. So it, it, okay, you got you got me all stoked for for a, a fifteen hundred dollar. 4k display and now you're telling me $1,400 whatever Um, now you're telling me no what are you doing to me so as we as as reported last week on on taking pictures (laughs) this just in um so dell has (laughs) dell has just released uh some 4k monitors including a 32 inch uh and a 24 inch which are I they think, out? Are they officially out? Uh, the 32 inch you can order. I have not been able. I've not been able to find a page where you can order the 24 inch yet. But I haven't looked today. Um, and they, I think the 24 inch definitely. I think the 32 inch too are both part of their Premier Color program, which uh, means that they are factory calibrated to be less than a delta E of two. And if there's any pixels that are bad, they'll replace the panel. So you kind of get what you pay for. So the 32 inch is $3,500, which is pretty much is the same price as the Asus one. Although apparently they are using better backlights or better color than the Asus one. Cause the Asus one, the color was not very good. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the 24 inch, which is actually what I probably would go for. Uh, I would love a 24 inch display at that kind of resolution um, is great. Now here's the thing. The way that these screens work is that uh, you can't actually get um that kind of resolution through uh, an HDMI or DisplayPort connection that most computers have. So the way they work is you can either hook up two HDMIs and it basically shows two screens right next to each other on the same panel, if that makes any sense. Okay, sure. Um, Or you can do it through DisplayPort using a thing called MST, which I think is multi-stream transport. So basically, it was designed originally so that uh, one single DisplayPort comes out of the computer, goes into one monitor, that monitor daisy chains to a second monitor, and the signals for both monitors go over the same pipe. Sort of hmm. like, you know, Firewire or whatever it is, you know, right, back in the right, day, right? right. Daisy chained. Um, and so what these monitors would do is basically do that, but use most monitor signals on one monitor. So you'd get the 3850 by whatever it is uh, as basically two... Uh, monitors right next to each other. Wait, so you need you need either two HDMI <clears throat> signals coming out of your computer or one DisplayPort. Yeah, that's how it used to work, right? But it has to be a DisplayPort that is DisplayPort 1.2 that that uh, works with this MST protocol. Macintoshes up until now do not support the MST protocol. The drivers in macOS are the problem. So people have written, they've gotten like the Asus monitor, they plug it into a Mac and it just shows up one side of the screen because it can only run one of the two Uh, screens. Okay. Okay. Um, But if they install windows on the same hardware, the windows drivers work fine. So it's a driver issue. Now, Hmm. some people say this is going to get fixed when they release the Mac pro tomorrow or next Thursday or whenever. Isn't it supposed to be like in the next week or so? It's, it's imminent. Yeah. The, The rumors. Um, that when they do that, they'll put out, say, 10.9.1, and that'll include new drivers, which will turn on this MST stuff. Hopefully, it will turn it on for more than just the Mac Pros. 
you know? Right. And that right. makes me also question if there is say a second drive, like a, a driver from NVIDIA that you can install. Cause a lot of times there are for like our Hackintoshes and stuff, you can get the NVIDIA driver for, for Mac. If I do that, maybe the NVIDIA driver has got it built in and no one's gotten around to trying it yet. Right. Um, I'm sure this will all work itself out over the next couple months or whatever. But right now, today, if I got one delivered, I don't think that I'd be able to get it to work at that resolution on my computer. Yeah, I wonder what the the barrier of entry will be for hardware to well, get it to work. Theoretically, I think at least the last two generations, anything from a MacBook Retina up, MacBook Pro Retina up, have been using a DisplayPort 1.2 uh, DisplayPort within the Thunderbolt port. Mm. Does that make sense? Because the DisplayPort goes over the Thunderbolt connector, um, but it's just a driver issue as to why they can't access it, which is just—it seems like a weird thing. However, apparently, the other day uh, on one of their European sites, Apple actually was selling the Sharp or not Sharp—the Asus 32 32-inch 32 4K monitor on their Apple.com over in Europe somewhere. For right, like 12 hours kind of opens it up to, are they going to be selling third party screens? Which, yeah. Which kind of makes me think they don't have a 4k monitor ready for the, for the pro. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, why would they even think about selling that? You know, and why did they have it on the site? If none of these computers can actually use it at that resolution from what I understand. Right. Until they update these drivers. So there's a lot, there's a few question marks, but I'm definitely like, I mean, there's, my credit card is hot in my hands waiting for that monitor. I'm going to buy that monitor and um, they have decent software for it. And you, you have to buy uh, I'd have to buy a new color perimeter. So I'd have to buy the um, whatever the I one pro or whatever the heck it is. So why don't you just go bucks. back to windows? If all you're using is Photoshop, why don't you just, you know, in Lightroom? Uh, I've got, have used, you considered that? Uh, yes, I actually have, but I, I mean, eventually it will, you know, it'll start working on this. It's just a matter of drivers and whatnot. Um, I've gotten used to Mac OS. I've gotten used to the keyboard commands and that kind of stuff that, you know, right. So it's not that you couldn't, I couldn't, I, you know, I could use windows. Sure. Um, but I choose to use Mac OS cause I like the way it works. So I don't know, just interesting. Anyway, that's just a little update there. So it's a driver issue and that's what I'm waiting for to make it work. I wonder if it, I wonder if it is, I think it's the, Dell 2414Q, I think is the name of it. And there are no links on the Dell site. So it's like there's 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 a page that has like all kinds of information about it, but there's no buy now button. There's a contact Dell button. All right. So it's imminent. Yeah, it's it's they said by the 13th, which I think is this Friday, they're going to sell it worldwide. And it said that it was available in the U.S. now, but I've yet to see it anywhere. Do do we know is Dell is Dell manufacturing their own panels or are they no, sourcing I'm, them? I'm sure they're from, sourcing them from somewhere, but LG or uh, something. They have 100 sRGB and 99 Adobe RGB gamut, so it's hmm. got it's like wide gamut, and you know it's their premier color thing. So that means you know Dell T of less than two, which is pretty darn good. Now, what's the difference? Do we know yet? It's got uh, lookup tables too and hardware lookup tables too. What's the difference between what? That and their their sub one thousand twenty eight that they've been so talking there, about. So there's talk that there's a twenty eight inch sub one thousand dollar one coming next year. Um, my guess is that the panel wouldn't be as good, and it probably certainly isn't uh, this premier color stuff, which is they're sort of more high end guarantees mm-hmm. of things. 
Um, I mean, I'm sure it'll be fine for your average Joe, but like, I, I need to know what my pictures look like. Of know? course you do. As anyone should. <laughs> you see what I did there? Hey, do you use a straight ruler when you design stuff? Yes. Well, that's all I'm doing is using a straight ruler. Uh, okay. I will say that I got that book back from blurb the other day. I just made a book of my work just to see how it is. Yeah. Uh, Cause I haven't bought a thing from blurb lately and they have all these new papers and I got it with their new, whatever it is, super premier pro, whatever paper. Right. Right. It was expensive. It was like 88 bucks for a 30 oh, something page book. Blurb, blurb books are expensive. Yeah. But you know what? It is really nice. It's a uh, 12 or 14 by 12 or something, the book. And it's like 38 pages and the pictures and the color and the density and the shadow detail and everything is spot on, like mm. as good or better than I can even make on my Epson at home. You know, as far as like just getting the colors right, they it, it like matches my screen exactly. Mm. So there's there's something to say for knowing what you get. And, and it's nice to see Blurb actually up in their game since Adorama's kind of dropping the ball. I still need yeah, to try. I, What's the other thing I need to try that we have to they, do? They, they need to lower the price point. Yeah, well, they're expensive to make, I'm sure. What What is the place we need to do? Lululemon? What is it called? Lightning Source. Lightning Source. Lululemon. <laughs> or Lululemon. That's it. Uh, hey, I, I got a, I, I'm, I'm working on a review for, for uh, uh, a book that Faden sent me. Uh, book? It's Untold, The Stories Behind the Photographs by Steve McCurry. Okay. How's that Steve uh, McCurry? You know, I'll, I'll tell you. <laughs> Mustached? That's right. Mustachioed. Uh, this, this book is fantastic okay. in a word. It is, it is, it is, I'm really enjoying it. I'm enjoy. I had no idea the places that he'd been uh, and, and. Oh, the places he's been. That's right. Uh, it is. And I think I even say this in the review, it's equal part monograph and history book because you, you, you're, you're, they're telling the stories that were going on. So it's like when, the Heisler book plus a little more story. Yeah. Okay. I mean, you know, it, it opens up with a really fantastic story about a, uh, uh, as fantastic as a story can be about a plane crash. Obviously he survived, but you know, it, it, there, the book opens with him you know, talking about this, this plane and the, and the, 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 the pilot gets too close to the water and the wheels actually touched and the plane noses over, shatters the prop and down they go. Nah. Uh, no, thank and, you. Yeah, yeah. Um, camera gear still at the bottom of this lake somewhere. Uh, but, you know, so I'm, you know, it's like part Indiana Jones, part photo monograph. So I'm in. I'm okay. hooked, right? Um, it, really beautiful. Beautifully laid out. It's clean. It's the photos good. The great quality paper. So you read, read the whole thing when it comes out. But uh, oh, when is it actually getting released? I think the book is out. Our, okay. My review should be up this week. Okay, put the review up, and you know what? Maybe we'll do McCurry for our next photographer of the week next week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Put a so, note in, we'll do that. Okay. Um, we should uh, we should talk about our second sponsor. <laughs> what did we do last week? HostGator.com. <laughs> It'd be so great if they actually did that, wouldn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that'd be so cool. Guys, we really love what you do. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. Hey, uh, HostGator uh, is your premier web hosting provider. If you're looking to start a website, HostGator can help you get started with monthly hosting plans, one-click installs, tons of other features that make getting your site up and running easily. If you're a more advanced user or a business HostGator user, you can they can take care of you with reseller plans, VPS, I think that's virtual private servers, 
uh, dedicated so you, servers. So you can get your own server there. Like it's the only thing that's on there Box is, on a is rack. your stuff. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty and, cool. And they guarantee 99.9% uptime, no matter what your sizer needs. And if you're a WordPress user, like many of us are, uh, you're going to love their one-click installs, optimized hosting platform. Uh, when you host with HostGator, you get unlimited disk space and bandwidth. So, you know, you can have tons of people come visit you. Say you were on a list of the top three uh, uh, photo podcasts on Stitcher. Huh. You don't have to worry about that because <laughs> um, there's there's lots of bandwidth and disk space for all of your podcasts. All 80, say, let's say you have 85 podcasts. Um, they have free, uh, site builder tools that are super easy to use. If you know, you're one of those kinds of people, but if you find yourself needing any help 24 seven support to ensure everything is running smoothly, go on over to hostgator.com to learn more. And when you decide to purchase, don't forget to use the, uh, coupon code. What is the coupon code? It's boring. Pictures, pictures, something pictures, 12 pictures, 12. Uh, and, uh, you'll get 30% off everything at HostGator, which is a great deal. I think I pay $10 a month. So you could pay $7 a month for, for the plan that I use. Uh, and I got to tell you, uh, I had a problem last week with one of my sites and, uh, I, I, I called hover and I complained about it and they said, no, no, no. I, I think it's, I think it's HostGator. It's on their end. And so I went to HostGator and they said, nah, it's, it's on hover's end. And I went back to hover and then hover noticed that it actually was problem on their end. So I give HostGator some props that's for a, sticking up for themselves. That's a great story, Bill. You have time to tell it again? That's it. The show's <laughs> over. Hope you enjoyed these 85 episodes of Andre Pictures. Um, I kid, I kid. Hey, we're kind of going round back again because uh, episode one, who was our photographer of the week? Ache. Right. So... This weekend, I was down at the... Who uh, I didn't know about, by the way, until, until you, I, I met you. I didn't know about this guy either. I didn't. Okay. Uh, I, was, I was down in D.C. visiting my family, and uh, my partner and my mother and I took a walk over to the National <laughs> Gallery on the mall down in D.C. Mm-hmm. And uh, there is a show there going on right now that I was just like, hey, that looks kind of interesting. We should go check that out. And it was of a guy named Charles Marville who was a photographer in Paris in like the 1780s or mm-hmm. I mean, I'm sorry, the 17, uh, I'm sorry, 1780s, the 1870s. Apparently, mm-hmm. apparently I'm dyslexic today. I'm, yeah. That's right. Dyslexic uh, 1860s, of the world on tie. 1870s. Uh, he was so pretty early, for, you know, in photography's lifetime, right? You know, you're in like the, the, the mid to late uh, uh, 19th century, which is a long, long time ago. And, he was named in 1962, he was named the official photographer of Paris. And he's well known for taking pictures of all these quarters of Paris before they were destroyed and rebuilt, like at the end of the 19th century. In much the same way as Aceh's pictures were also trying to save that, like mm-hmm. in the 1880s and 1890s, this guy was 20 years before Aceh. So right. it's funny, He, in some ways he was sort of Aceh's Aceh, you right. know? Um, and hauling around his eight by 10 camera and, and boatload of glass plates. Yeah. But you know what? They, they, his pictures are very, they look very similar in style to Ache to yeah. me. Like they've got that same feel where it's like, Oh, I see what you were doing. You were just going around shooting what you saw. So it was recorded before it went away. Mm-hmm. Um, and there were, his early stuff was all on sort of salted, uh, paper. So he was, he was printing paper negatives on paper, uh, prints 
you know, hand uh, what salted. Is, is that albumin? Is that what that is? No. So, so I, from what I understand, basically he was creating his, they, they were paper negatives that then he was printing, uh, uh, on, onto paper that he put silver salts on uh, okay. himself, okay. right? Like on straight onto paper. And, um, albumin is when they use, I think it's like egg whites to, to, as, as the emulsifier, as the thing that holds the kind of binder bind. Yeah. As the binder. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, for, for the salts. Um, so I think the, the, the paper with the, with the salt on it is, is much more fragile and they, they fade more and whatever. So, but I will tell you that in one room, it was all that early stuff with the salted paper in the Mm -hmm. next room. He had moved on to albumin prints by like the 1870s. And it was really interesting how much more resolution there were in the glass plates because it was collodion plates and albumin prints Mm. as sort of the new technology versus the paper negatives and and salted paper prints. Give me give me an idea. What uh, what's the difference? Um, Give give me an example. A a blown up disc camera shot to a thirty five millimeter shot. Really, that big? Yeah, it was a big difference. Wow. Yeah. I mean, there was a, there was a lot more, uh, levels from black to white. Um, there was a lot more, it was a lot less hazy, you know, it kind of almost felt like the, the paper negatives just sort of smeared everything a little bit. Cause think about it, there's grain in paper. So how accurate could the light coming through it and, you know what I mean? Sticking to it be. Sure. Sure. Um, Well, not only that, but there's, there's the surface inconsistencies. So you're going to get light bouncing around when it hits the paper. I mean, some of the, some of the albumin stuff was you know, modern looking, you know, mm-hmm. as modern as albumin prints look, you know what I mean? Right. If that makes any sense. Um, now, here, here's something you don't hear very often, but I love the shot of the urinal. <laughs> there were a number of shots of urinals. <laughs> They're awesome. Yeah. He took pictures of all these like public urinals that were like apparently dotted around Paris at the time. Uh, Amazing. As well as all these like areas of Paris that were just sort of these rundown shanty towns and stuff mm-hmm. before they ripped them all up. Um, great book that I'm going to put, I'll put a link in the show notes that I, I didn't buy it yet, but I saw it at the show. I think it's for the show. Okay. List for 60 bucks. Amazon has it for 42 bucks. It's called Charles Marville photographer of Paris. It's 256 pages. Wow. And it okay, had now, everything in the show plus everything. This uh, let's, let's go full circle here. Yep. Uh, he didn't think I'm assuming what he was doing was art. It was documentary. Yep. Yeah, probably fair to say that we look at this as art. We don't, do we look at this now as just, as, as just documentary or, or has time elevated this work? Uh, you know, it's interesting. I, I, I started this little segment by saying that he was Ache's Ache, but <clears throat> to put a finer point on it, I think that Ache's work is much, um, has much more of a point of view than this Marvel work does. This it does feel this feels much more like I'm taking a picture of this thing so that there's a record of this thing where Ache seemed to it was like oh there's a record of this thing but wow that really does have a nice composition to it too okay does that make it, sense I, I'm taking a picture from this vantage point on the hill so that I can get everything in the frame not for some reason that's aesthetic or yeah or, and no, okay. I, I'm I'm not inside his head this was 150 years ago you know like, sure but but I when I look at his pictures. They, I looked at them as, wow, look at Paris back in 1865 and 1870. I did mm-hmm. not look at it as, wow, that composition is beautiful. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and maybe, and again, subjective. Other people may come in and say that I'm out of my mind. You know, I mean, there were, there were a handful that were really lovely. 
But there were others that were like, okay, that's this is obvious that you know, in New York City back in the 30s or 40s or some sometime around there, there was I think it was part of the depression kind of stuff where they gave like make work kind of thing. Mm-hmm. They did a survey of all the streets in in New York City and they took pictures of the front of all the buildings for tax purposes mm-hmm. to sort of okay. mark what was what was New York City in 1936 or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And a kind lot of, of like people, a primitive street view type yes, of thing. Yes, exactly. That's exactly yeah. what it looks like. Okay. Um, and you can go and you can buy copies of those pictures from the city now. You could say, I want a copy of my house from 1936. And a few people f- that I know have done this and have a picture up on their wall. And it's, you know... Like a, a like a clapboard kind of thing with the address written on it is down the bottom. Mm-hmm, you know, it's mm-hmm. it's kind of neat. They're really neat. But those people were not making art. They were like, oh, what's the next building? Slide over ten feet. You know what I mean? Right. Um. And I right. I, and I'm just I'm wondering about the a, a bigger question of of does does time elevate art? Um. I think that it can. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, and back to our initial sort of our, the secondary question is once it's art, is there, is it ever not art again? You know, once this mm. or Ache's work is considered art, is there a next generation that goes, yeah, you know, the people at the turn of the century and tw- turn of the 21st century thought this was art, but mm. eh, we backed off it for now, you know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. or is it sort of once it's discovered that becomes part of the canon, then it's generally understood in perpetuity. Yeah, that's, a, uh, mm, that's an interesting question. Yeah. Uh, we will have to save that, but that's, that's, I like that. Yeah. You know, this Ache, Ache's Paris book is only 10 bucks. That's a great, but the Tashin one. Yeah. That's a great book. 1099 hardcover. I think I'm going to buy it right now. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, anything else you want to say before we finish up? Hey, uh, show notes for this show. If you go to five by five dot TV slash OTP, You'll get to the main five by five on taking pictures page and uh, you can see all the episodes. And if you put a slash 85 at the end of that, you'll get to the show notes for this show where we have all the links to all the things we talked about, including uh, links to uh, the the book on Amazon. If you want to buy that, you know what? Hey, if you uh, are uh, at the point which uh, you're buying some last minute Christmas gifts, if you go uh, to on taking pictures.com over on the right, there's a little Amazon link. If you click through there and buy your stuff, you'll help support the show. A few yeah. pennies at a time. Uh, uh, a couple things we need to tackle. Next week or right now? Just in, in, in the meantime, between okay. maybe next week or over the next couple of weeks. T-shirt. We yes. got to get a T-shirt out. All right, we're going to do that. We're going to make the decision and we're going to make yes. it happen. By next week, we will have a T-shirt for sale. Can we say that? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Uh, show notes newsletter. Some sort of. You know what? Screw subs- it. I'm, I'm just going to start one on, on, uh, on um, what's it called? MailChimp. Can it? Uh, yeah, but Mailchimp. Once you get over two thousand people, then it's like fifty bucks a month. Oh, is it? Is there another yeah. one that you got a better option? Uh, I think I think I they think have so. it built into the CMS. You know, I'm going to bother Dan and Hattie about it today. Okay, all right, I'll do that too. Uh, and uh, potential live show coming up. If you come visit, in, you mean? Well, either that or or see December's out. December it's ridiculously expensive now. All right, well then you, come in January. Yeah, um, book, it, book it goes it tomorrow. Book it today. It goes, it goes down quite a bit. All right. Well, come out for my birthday then. When's your birthday? January 4th. Uh, how old are you going to be? I will be 39. Wow. Really? Yeah. So like half your age. <laughs> uh, hey, how do people get a hold of us? 
how do people get a hold of us? Uh, podcast at ontakingpictures.com. Uh, Bill tweets at Bill Wadman. I tweet at uh, Jeffrey Sidoris. You can find uh, Bill's portfolio. You want to buy some print? You're having a sale, right? Yeah, 50% off. You can buy the stuff that's on my Wadman editions, which is just a handful of like landscapes and conceptual portraits and stuff. But the, uh, you've got a really nice picture of uh, of Times Square. That 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 nighttime shot of Radio City is. Uh, it's of Radio nice. City, not Times Square. But yes, or Radio City. Yeah, yep. my mistake. Uh, that's that's really nice. That's at Wadman Editions. Yep. Uh, you can read stuff. You know, inspirational yep. photographic stuff. Fadedandblurred dot com. At the best, inspiration photographic. Inspiration I'm working on it. I'm working on it. Yep. Uh, and and you know we've we've joked about this this Stitcher thing, but. Uh, really floored and and it's because of you guys yeah. you guys made this happen so thank you thank you thank you for listening to the show and and for uh for indulging us as as we we have these conversations uh, we, we really yeah, it's true and you know i just got an email as we were recording i just noticed uh from some guy in chinese in china saying just uh just to say i love your podcast brilliant podcasts both hilarious and thought-provoking, already recommend to all my pals from a Chinese listener. That is awesome. Yeah. Come on now. Come on, it's neat, right? That's, yeah, it's, it's very cool, and it, it, it does not go unnoticed, nor is it unappreciated. So thanks, you guys. No problem. For, uh, for listening. And uh, we'll, we'll see you all next week. Yep, we'll see you next week. Have a good week. Bye. Say